Good morning, Antioch Church and all of our family, friends, and guests that are joining us today. Two weeks away from Resurrection Sunday. So we are still in the season of Easter, and we are here proclaiming to you that Christ is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. A little late here. I'm going to try that one more time. Christ is risen, folks. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. A little early. No, I'm just... <laughs> Uh, we can't have joy because of the resurrected Christ. And um, again, here we are on Sunday morning, uh, April the 26th. Here we are, April the 26th, coming into your homes to share the word of the Lord with you, to experience, again, some amazing time of worship. Thank you, Jonathan and Seth. We're to come to the table together, bring our offerings to the Lord. So Antioch and all of our friends, bless you, welcome. And we are going to be jumping into the passage of Luke chapter 24 today. So taking a little bit of a break from John. We've been in John now the past yeah. four weeks four in weeks. a row, we'll it feels like. And we will be back in John next week. But um, today, we're going to be picking this up in Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles, grab your phones, grab your notepads and journals, and let's dive into the Word together. We believe that we have a Word for you for today. And we're picking up the narrative in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with others, each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these last days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We're actually going to read through uh, verse 35, but why don't we start and just take what's happening here in this yeah. first part of the road to Emmaus. And if it's okay, I'd like yeah. to just offer a couple of ideas here to set you up to bring, I think, some really incredible understanding here about the nature of our testimony versus Jesus's testimony. But what I think is so fascinating is that this is one of three passages <clears throat> where Jesus, post-resurrection, shows mm -hmm. up. First, as we, as we looked at uh, two weeks ago, Easter Sunday, we see that Jesus shows up to Mary. Yep. Mary doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's a gardener. Uh, then we see, and we've not looked at this passage yet, but in John chapter 24, Jesus is on the shore. His disciples are out fishing. In fact, 
John chapter 21 begins where Peter essentially says, man, I'm going back to fishing. Mm -hmm. And these guys follow their ringleader and he goes out to a boat. And again, they find themselves unfruitful mm -hmm. in this fishing expedition. Jesus is on the shore and he asks Peter to throw his net onto the other side, which yeah. is a throwback to you know yeah. Peter's commissioning reminds moment, reminds him. And it's in that moment where, where John says, Peter, I, th I, think, I think that's Jesus. But for whatever reason, Jesus was, was unrecognizable right. on the shore. So here he is. He's, he's in their daily routine. He's watching them. He's mm. present to them. And they're unaware. Yeah. Right? He shows up behind Mary. She thinks he's a gardener. He's watching the interaction that she has with the angels. Yep. She's unaware. Mm -hmm. Again, now here in Luke chapter 24, we have another story. Two guys... Uh, clearly a part of the disciples. Mm -hmm. In fact, it says that uh, these two guys were actually present when the women came and they announced Jesus is not there. Right. And for whatever reason, they decide not to stay in Jerusalem as they were commanded to. Mm -hmm. And they head to Emmaus. For how long, we don't know uh, in terms of how long they intended to stay yeah. in Emmaus. Why they were going to Emmaus, we don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus kind of rolls up on them on this countryside stroll to Emmaus and they are kept from recognizing him. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is just a simple thought or it's a simple question, but I keep asking myself, why does Jesus keep popping up playing hide and go seek or keep popping up like, you know, creeping on people? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird. It, it, it's, it's interesting, it's fascinating. Interesting. And I think it's an invitation for us to go, what is Jesus up to here? Post-resurrection narrative, we're three times here where Jesus kind of just inserts himself into the normal life of people and they're not aware that he's there. Yeah, and another uniqueness here is that the way that they come to recognition is yes. just so different in all three stories. In all three, you know? yeah. And it seems like each, at least in the first two that you mentioned, they're catered specifically to draw on either certain memories or they're very specific and they're very personal. To those individuals. And intentional, yeah, indeed, to Mary indeed. and to, to Peter. And I, I, don't, I don't know why Jesus is doing this, but I do think it's significant because so much of our lives are lived in this kind of unawareness slash awareness, sure. where we know that He is present and we know that He's among us. We know that He is at work. But so many times we find ourselves scratching our heads going, we thought this was going to look different. We sure thought enough. He was going to manifest differently. We thought we would experience Him differently. So I'm not sure why, but it does seem like it bears witness with our experience of Jesus. Absolutely. You know, as we're talking about the fact that Jesus is way more present to us than we realize. I'm reminded there's a scene in the Old Testament where Jacob is wrestling with God. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this encounter with God, he, he says this statement that I think is so fitting. He says, surely the presence of the Lord yeah. was in this place and I was unaware. And I think that there's so mm -hmm. much of our Christian life that we could say that, yes. ah, surely Surely Christ was in this place. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had a spat with my spouse and I chose to humble myself. I chose to repent. I chose to pursue reconciliation. And surely Christ was there in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. And I was unaware. Yeah. Right. Surely I chose to forgive someone who offended me and Christ was present. Mm -hmm. Surely in the kind of the mundane commonality of dinner table interactions, Christ was there. 
and yet I was unaware. Yeah, and that is so much of our lives. Mm -hmm. And you know, for these guys, it's really interesting. So they were in Jerusalem, and now they're on this walk to Emmaus. And we see from what they revealed to Jesus, of course they don't know it's Jesus, but we see that they have part of the story, that their testimony is partial. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a word to us in that, that they're leaving the scene of what they thought was going to be so differently, something mm -hmm. they thought was going to turn out so differently. And their testimony rests on that, but they're completely unaware of the grander, more grand level that God was at work sure. and what really happened until Jesus reveals it to mm -hmm. them. Isn't, isn't that always the case too, though? It is always the case. Not, and to, not to beat you to the punchline there. Yeah, it but, is, <laughs> but that is exactly it, that that is always the case. Mm -hmm. That even in good things where we see, you know, you something fantastic happens and we go, oh my goodness, thank God for fill in the blank. Like God is up to so much more, even in the good things. Mm -hmm. And that is certainly the case with, with bad things, mm -hmm. that when things happen in our lives, we have to remember that God is not done working yet. Mm -hmm. And that God was present in the midst of those circumstances in ways that maybe this side of eternity, we will never know. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's one word to us. But I think another is, so they testify to Jesus. Jesus is baiting them into telling them the story of what happened to him. From right? their perspective. From their perspective, right. exactly. So they tell him and they tell him, you know, some of the other eyewitness accounts that it seems like maybe they don't believe because they left Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. We don't exactly know, as you said, mm -hmm. how long or why they intended to go to Emmaus. But what we do know is how Jesus comes back at them. And Jesus comes back when they have testified according to their own experience. Jesus comes back drawing on the scriptures beginning with Moses. And Moses, and it says, through the prophets. Mm -hmm. So I think part of the word to us is that if our testimony of who God is rests on our most recent experience of what he has or has not done in our wow. lives, wow. it will always been, be partial at best. Right. It will oscillate from high moments to low moments, sure. high moments. And I think what we can learn from the life of other believers, from this story, from the witness of Scripture itself, is that our testimony should be that God is who He says He is because He has raised Jesus from the dead and because over and over and over again throughout the history of Scripture that our faith is attached to, mm -hmm. God has proven Himself to be faithful. Yeah. So we should never leave our experiences with our testimony hinging just on those things and mm -hmm. how we intuit and interpret those things mm. because we know that God is always up to more than we can see. Mm. God, dude. I love that. That's good. That's so good. It's right you know, there. Jonathan, as you were sharing that, one of the things that stood out to me is, you know, when, when he shows up to Mary, he reveals himself to Mary, Mary is grieving, mm -hmm. but she's also seeking. Yeah. You know, Mary is passionately and ardently seeking after God. And I think that's a promise for all of us. The promise is, is when we seek him, he is near to be found. Yeah. Right? When the disciples go back, to their previous vocation. And the exact intent of that is not sure. I've heard some preachers essentially say that Peter was saying, I'm, I'm going back to my life before this little hiatus of following Christ. And I think that 
we, we could explore that a little bit. There was so much disheartenment, there was so yeah. much discouragement that all he knew how to do was fish. He was familiar. He was familiar, yeah. right? And so he's like, I'm going back into this place of familiarity. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was a l level of despair that was going on there, but Christ is there. Mm -hmm. you know, Christ is there in, in our vocation. Christ is there in the most menial, mundane moments of our life, and I think right. we can trust that. But here what we find is that Christ is uniquely aware in the teaching and in the preaching and even in just in the discussion of Scripture. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's so curious that Jesus shows up, and I don't think this is coincidental, right. but Jesus shows up as they are having a discussion about the things that they've just seen. Yeah. Looking at verse right. 13, that same day, two of them were going to a village about seven miles away. Verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that Jesus is particularly and peculiarly aware and near us when we are having conversations about Him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's just, he's just there by His Spirit. Um, whether that conversation is happening in a small group in our homes, whether it's happening among friends, mm -hmm. traveling the road, or whether we're discussing the Scriptures in a large gathering, Christ is present. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful that He begins, all of the Scriptures give witness and testimony to Jesus. You know, when He talks about um, here from Moses and the prophets, um, in so many ways, Jesus, Jesus is hidden throughout from Genesis all the way through the end of Malachi. At, of course, the New Testament's not written yet. Right. But we could faithfully say that from Genesis to Revelation, the entirety of the written Scriptures are all pro proclaiming who Christ is. Yeah. And so Jesus is doing that. He's saying, let me, let me take you to the faithfulness of Scripture and how I am continually and consistently revealed. And you have to, you know, we need the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We need Jesus and or the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to help reveal where Jesus is present throughout yeah, Scripture. Absolutely. It's not necessarily intuitive. Yep. It's, you know, and Paul said this, he says, spiritual things are, are spiritually discerned. Mm -hmm. They're revealed by the Spirit to those that are spiritually minded. And so I love the fact that Christ is hidden throughout all of Scripture, which takes us in a posture of humility to say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to me? Mm -hmm. Reveal where Christ is in Genesis. Yeah. Reveal where Christ is in the Levitical law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Reveal what this, this seems like such a bleak time in the exile. Where is Christ there? Yeah. But clearly Jesus is revealing himself mm -hmm. from Moses through the prophets. Yeah. And it's interesting too, you know, you read verse 13 again. They are witnessing, and as I, I just spoke, I think the flip side of the same coin is that our testimony and our witness has to go beyond our own experiences. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's interesting that Jesus meets them. And in some ways, it seems that he is validating as they are witnessing the best way that they know how. Wow. You can tell from the nature of their conversation, they are genuinely and ardently wanting to know. Absolutely. That they seem to have been faithful all mm -hmm. the way to the end. Like they they had contact. This was pre-cell phone, pre-internet. Mm -hmm. They had contact with those who had just seen the empty tomb. Mm -hmm. So they were faithful to follow through the end. And it's almost as if Jesus is coming alongside and validating their perspective, even though it's impossible. Interesting. It's partial. Yeah. Sure. It's sure. It's not the whole thing, but Jesus comes and he meets them in that space. Yeah. And then he completes the story. And thank God, because like we yeah. said earlier, our perspective is always partial. Yeah. So if he doesn't meet us where we're at, we're doomed. Yeah. We're, we're hopeless. lost. Right? Exactly. We're hopeless. Exactly. 
Um, you know, two weeks ago on Easter Sunday, one of the main mantras there of that message when Jesus meets Mary is that he meets us where we are mm -hmm. and he takes us or he calls us yes. to where he is. Exactly. And again, thank God for that. Whether we're grieving, whether we're going back to a former vocation that is familiar, or whether we're just, we're just going back to life as we know it, mm -hmm. Jesus says, it's okay, I'm gonna meet you where you're at. No matter how boring or dry or mundane your life seems, God meets us there. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if we're not careful, we can build a sense of spirituality that says Jesus only meets us in hyper-spiritualized environments yep. or moments. Jesus only meets me on a mission trip. He only meets me on a youth camp. Yes. He only meets me in these, you know, charged prayer moments. No, Jesus meets us in every moment yeah. of our life. Yep. And I like what you mentioned when we were having just conversation about this. Uh, maybe not as theological, maybe not as spiritual, but I think so beautiful. Can you just unpack a little bit more of this idea that, that Jesus meets us because he loves being with us? Yeah. So one of the things that people have talked about with this story over and over and over again is just how peculiar and maybe even playful Jesus seems here. Like, sure, sure. Why, why does Luke seem to include these details? Like, why doesn't he just tell us the facts? But it, he makes it seem like Jesus is kind of baiting them mm -hmm. in and out of saying certain things so that he can do something else. Mm. And I think what I, where I'm at right now with this is that it seems to me that Jesus knows these guys were faithful to the end, but they're leaving disheartened. Mm. So he meets them on this seven mile journey and is listening to their conversation. He's disguised until the very end. Mm. Why would he do that? Well, I don't know, but the speculation to me seems because he loves being with them. Yeah. That there is something about the way that our work with God is that he doesn't need it, but he invites it and he longs for it and he mm -hmm. wants it because he wants us, because right. he loves us. So Jesus didn't, I mean, he didn't need to do really anything in this story. He could have just snapped his fingers and they would have known, they would have understood. Mm -hmm. But we have all these details and the story and the drama plays out. And it seems that it's because Jesus really is just validating that he loves and cares about them. One of them is even unnamed. We mm -hmm. don't even know who this other one mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. But Jesus cares deeply for these guys, so much so that it seems he goes out of his way. I mean, really, the resurrected Christ, I don't know that anything is in or out of his way. But Jesus goes <laughs> out of his way to meet these guys and walks on this journey and then they return to where they were. It's just, it's such a, a cool thing. You know, playfully, just speaking to the fact that you know, the resurrected Jesus going out of his way. If we string these passages together with John, Jesus was pretty busy. He's taking he a seven mile walk. He goes to the table with these guys, which we're going to go to here in a second. And then right after that, these guys race back to the disciples. And then Jesus shows up in this locked room. I mean, yeah. he's, the, the resurrected Christ is, he's busy. He's yeah. at, he's still at work. Yeah, he is. Um, one yeah. of the things I wanted to make comment on is that Jesus doesn't, you know, his first foot forward isn't always to reveal himself, right? Right. With Mary, the disciples, with the two guys going to Emmaus, his first foot forward isn't, hey, let me show you who I am. It's not surprise. It's not here I am. Yeah. And the thing that I think is so peculiar with this is there's got to be a purpose. Mm -hmm. There's got to be something that he's up to. So I know like with me and my kids, uh, you know, when, when they're doing something, sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll just, I'll creep up to their room slowly, quietly, 
and I'll just peek in. Now they know your secrets. Yeah, now they know my secrets. But even if they do know, they don't even know, they don't know always They don't know when, this, right? that's true. So sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll catch one of them singing or I'll catch one of them dancing. Or sometimes I'll just catch one of them just drawing or coloring. And I'll try to go up there and I'll take, I'll take a peek and a glance for as long as I can because there's this innocence and this playfulness and there's this this imagination that gets interrupted when they know that someone's watching them, yes, right? right? So they mm -hmm. stop doing what they're doing. But sometimes I like to just drink those moments in. And I think God is like that with mm -hmm. us as well. That there's this there's this sense of we we do things uh, unaware that Christ is there that we probably wouldn't do if we realize that, yeah. that he's here in this moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mary is grieving. She is deeply broken and she is so in her sadness and her sorrow. And Jesus lets her be there. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't go in and rescue her from that immediately. Right. He allows her to think that he's a gardener. Yeah. He allows her to express this sorrow, probably in a way that if we're really honest with our religious trappings, we, we're not honest with our sorrow. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm in church, I'm around church people, Jesus is here, I've, I've, got, to, I've got to hold it together, mm -hmm. right? No, he, he lets her just sit in her sorrow for a little bit before he reveals yeah. himself to her. Uh, in the same way with the disciples, the scripture says they were kept from recognizing him. Almost as if, again, I think when we're, with, when we're with the teacher, we try to have all the right answers. Mm -hmm. But they're with a stranger, their guard is down. Yeah. And I think Jesus wants this. Mm -hmm. He wants their guard yeah. down. Hey guys, how are you interpreting? The, there's, a, there's this woman, she tells you that this guy's alive. And, and so they're like, ah, we're a little disappointed. Good, good. I want you to tell me yeah. that you're disappointed. I wanna know that's where you're at so that I can reveal yeah. the scriptures It's beautiful to too, as you were sharing about you know, you peeping in on your kids. And there is something, I think, about the purest kinds of love that doesn't require them to know that you are present with right. them for you to still love being present with them. Exactly. That if it doesn't matter whether they know or not because you delight in being in their presence. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a hard time believing that God delights in being in our presence. Mm. That it seems to us like this God is so high and mighty that if he's going to be among us, mm. we need to get his agenda, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And of course, there is space for that. But I think in the charismatic and, and Pentecostal realm, we've got that side of it down mm -hmm. more than the side of believing that God would care to be with us without us acknowledging his presence. Right, right. Like that, that kind of messes with me that mm -hmm. there is something that changes when your kids know that you're there, mm -hmm. but you can still delight in their presence when they don't know that you're there. And God feels that way about us. Absolutely. That's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. You know, here recently, my two oldest, Milan and Kenya, have been sharing with me. They've been a little discouraged because They've been saying, Daddy, I don't, I don't sense the presence of God mm. like, like I have in other times past. I don't feel like I hear His voice. And so naturally that makes them question a little mm -hmm. bit. And so as I've been walking them through that, uh, we, we take family walks, particularly on days when it's nice and warm, we try to take family walks on a regular basis. And just like on our family walks or whether we're on a hike or playing a sport, you know, the sun is always there. Mm -hmm. The sun is, is covering us and basking us and the beauty of its brilliance and its, and its warmth and its nearness. But we're not always aware that the sun is there, right? right? We're yeah. just going about our day, we're playing basketball, we're having conversations, we're doing things in, in, in the beauty of that warmth. 
But then there are moments where we stop. You know, yesterday I just took a little walk around my neighborhood and posted up by this fence, had my little pocket missions Bible out, and sat down by this fence. And there was moments where I would read the scriptures, I would close a Bible, and I would just close my eyes, and I would feel the wind, and I would feel that warmth, and I was aware of it in a new way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how it is with God in a lot of ways. He's always there. Yeah. He's always there. And He is tending to our presence, yep. right? Like he the is. sun is always there. And then there are moments, and this is why spiritual rhythms and disciplines are so important, yeah. because these disciplines help us to pause. Yeah. They help us to center ourselves. They help us to cut away the noise and the distractions so that we can recognize, ah, the sun is shining on me. Yeah. The warmth of the sun is here. It's always been there, but I can enjoy exactly. it. And I can receive it and drink it in in a way because I'm becoming, I'm tending yeah. to that. I'm becoming conscious of that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I think if we finish this story, we're just gonna see this enhanced even more. Even absolutely, more. Yeah. absolutely. So I'm gonna pick back up here at Verse 28, and I'm going to read through the end, and then we will uh, have some closing comments and Indeed. then come to the table. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. And another Psych. one of those funny details, right, <laughs> that he didn't have to include. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with him. And this, Pastor, just a, a funny side comment here. It's so interesting because I think that there is a metaphor here for the way that we engage with God, particularly in salvation. The way that we enter in is not us going 50% and inviting mm. God and mm. then Him completing and going 50. It's we only invite Him because He has been at work setting us up to yes. invite Him. Right. That, that in the best way possible with grace and mercy and perfect love, Jesus sets us up to invite him, and then, ah, he mm, comes in yeah, and dwells yeah. among us. It's prevenient grace, right? It is prevenient grace. everything that yeah. we do is response to exactly. the initiation of God. Exactly. It's beautiful. So then we get to one of my favorite passages here, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us mm. while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them by them when he broke the bread. God, so good, so good. Pastor, what hits you here? Well, what hits me is that Jesus is uniquely revealed in the breaking yeah. of the bread. There's something, there's some dynamic mm -hmm. that happens at the table, mm -hmm. right? That is, again, this idea of this, the, the sacraments that there, he, he is here and we're unaware, mm -hmm. right? And as I've been wrestling with the why questions, God, why yeah. would you hide yourself? Why would you hide yourself in this way? One of the things that came to me was that I'm always present with you, but I'm uniquely present in the preaching and teaching of the word, the proclamation of the gospel, and I'm uniquely present at the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of what Luke is trying to do here, some of what the evangelist is communicating to us is, is that when we come to the table that the Lord has instituted, He is uniquely present to mm -hmm. us. 
And I think that he is purposefully communicating to us, come to the invitation of the Lord. What I think yeah. is so funny to me, actually, is that Jesus co-ops their table. He yes. hijacks. It's my table. Ta- yeah, exactly. He hijacks their table. And you comically said this. He's, you said, what we don't realize is that every table is ultimately the Lord's <laughs> yeah, table, right? Exactly. But when we invite Christ in, and this is what this, you know, the disciples do, he doesn't just force himself in. Mm-hmm. He, he sets it up in such a way that they then invite him in. And when they invite him in, he then becomes not the guest, right. but he well, no, becomes the host. Amazing. And every time we gather, you know, years ago, we began changing some of our language. And some of our language was not, God, we are the host of this service or we are the host of this gathering yeah. and we are inviting you to come. No, we, we recognize, Jesus, you have been here before we have ever set foot in these doors. Yeah. You have been here before we have invited guests to, our, to the table at our home or invited our children into the space. Yeah. You have been here and something we've been doing as a family. As we pause, right before we're about to eat our dinner, we center our hearts, we turn um, our affection, our worship, and our gratitude towards the Lord. And we just say, Lord, we recognize that you are the host of this table. Mm-hmm. And we respond with hearts of gratitude to your generosity. And we ask that, that you would help us to tend to your presence, which is here in a unique way, even at our, at our family dinner. And I think that when we come to the table, um, the sacraments say yeah. to us, Jesus is here in a unique way. And he bids us to come yes. because he is the host of the work that he has done for us. Yeah. The church has understood the table to be one of the places that we can surely encounter Christ. Mm-hmm. Though we are not always having an experience that we can speak of something mystical or something you know, groundbreaking happening, mm-hmm. there are these moments of inbreaking that happen all the time mm-hmm. in random things. Mm-hmm. But one of the pillars of the church for 2,000 years has been when we come to this table, that is not our table, we can be sure that we are welcomed guests and that there is a host. Yeah. That we can't be welcomed guests if there is no one to welcome us. Mm -hmm. But when we come to this table as the body of Christ, we Mm -hmm. can be certain that there is a host Mm -hmm. who will always welcome us. So good. And so there there are these moments where we are unaware and there is in-breaking. And then there are times when we can come to expect we're going to meet Christ in this way. Absolutely. You know, I'm curious as we're talking about this, there is this moment after they recognize Jesus and then he, he kind of plays peekaboo, right? Here I am and I'm gone. Like, I'm going sh- to yeah. show you myself and then I'm going to disappear. But then right after that, the disciples go, we're not our hearts burning yeah. within us. And so there's this, there's this moment where, you know, he's explaining all the scriptures and he's explaining who he was and how he's been revealed throughout, you know, the full testimony of the Old Testament. And then they come to the table and then they recognize, ah, this is, this is Jesus. So we see, we see word and sacrament, they go together. Yes. It's not either or. Right. Right. In fact, in some ways, it's like the, the word was a precursor to that encounter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then right after that, and this is what I'm curious about. Then it's like there's this progressive revelation that's taking place. I enca- you know, Jesus revealed himself here in the body and the blood. He revealed himself at the table. And now they begin to look backwards and yes. go, oh, yes, this is what was happening then. Yeah. I recognize and I realize now that as he was talking, something was going on inside of me. Something was burning inside of me. And I think that there is 
this maybe theology of reflection or maybe the discipline of reflection, maybe the discipline of looking back at moments where we've had with God that become almost like new encounters for us. Yeah, exactly. And it's so interesting too because they have the revelation of Scripture and they testify when he, when he was speaking the Scriptures, mm-hmm. our hearts were burning. So there's understanding there. But then when they go back to Jerusalem mm-hmm. and they meet with the other disciples, they say, it is true, the Lord has risen mm-hmm. and appeared to Simon. And it's like it all makes sense. Yes. Going far back, but then also their experience, because we know that they knew there were some who were at the tomb and they said it was empty. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. didn't understand it. Now they do. Now they understand. So it's yeah. there is this making understanding of some of their own experiences, right? And some of the historical That's Jewish so experiences. Both. It's it's mind blowing. Really, it's mind blowing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think uh, when you when you lead us to the table today, you got a lot of material to work with. It's going to be really really fun. Um, but as I as I bring this part of our segment to a close and transition this over for Pastor Jonathan to lead us to the table where I'm praying that Christ will be recognized in a very new and unique way for all of you. Friends, let me encourage you today. Jesus is present to you. He is more present to you and to me and to all of us, I think, than we're even aware of. The presence of God is always with us. Yes, yes, there are moments where we are more aware of His presence. Yes, there are moments when the sense of His presence is more heightened. But friend, I want to declare to you that He is the God who is always with you. Mm -hmm. He is the God who is always near. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, your rod Mm -hmm. and your staff. They comfort me. Therefore, I will fear no evil. So friend, today, know that God is with you. And we bless you today in the name of the Lord Jesus.